private equity and retirement plans, do they belong together? It's a complicated issue with needed yield and diversification on the one hand and complexity and the potential for abuse on the other. Rick Edelman, author, talk show host, and founder of investing powerhouse Edelman Financial Engines, has clear and direct views on the subject. He breaks it down for us. He also reveals the additional services that advisors should offer participants outside of the 401k and how advisors can better deal with client emotions during the pandemic. Rick joins us right after these messages. Retirement is changing. So is the way we plan for it. If you think retirement means you can't keep building for the future, that adventure is only for the young, or that long-term investing should stop at retirement, let's retire that thinking. And if you think every target date fund can deliver the same long-term results, let's retire that thinking too. Can I give my clients a target date fund that helps their employees retire their way? With Capital Group, I can. Visit CapitalGroup.com today. Talk to your financial professional for investment risks and information. American Funds Distributors, Inc., member FINRA. Rick, do you think that private equity belongs in 401ks and why or why not? Conceptually, this is a very exciting development. It, it is not intuitive. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense because private equity gets a lot of bad rap and sometimes deservedly so. But we have to acknowledge a fundamental fact in the world of equity investing, the world of the stock market. There are today about half as many publicly traded stocks as there were 15 years ago. The Wilshire 5000 doesn't consist of 5000 stocks anymore. There are only about 4000 that exist. And the reason is that many publicly traded companies have gone private by virtue of private equity companies. These are firms that raise a lot of capital from massive institutions, endowments, pension funds, foreign governments as sovereign wealth funds, and they raise tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars, and they buy these public companies, taking them private. When that company goes private, you lose the opportunity to invest in it. This is great news for big deal wealthy investors, but it doesn't do much good to the factory worker an ordinary hardworking Americans. So by allowing private equity funds to exist in a 401k plan, it now gives us once again the opportunity to invest in companies that we used to be able to invest in, but no longer can. So conceptually, it's a really great uh, innovation. What about some of the criticisms, though, that it's too complicated, that it might uh, open it up to some kind of abuse? Any concerns there? Of course. Uh, the, the devil's always in the details. Uh, private equity funds are often illiquid. They often have high fees. Uh, they often are very debt heavy because private equity investors love to use borrowed money to make their investments. And the bigger debt the company has, the bigger financial risk it's taking. So these are, by definition, riskier investments. So there are a lot of concerns that are going to require uh, plan sponsors to evaluate carefully and their fiduciary capacity to make sure that any offering they add to the plan for the benefit of their workers is in the workers' best interest. Do you think this opens the door to other types of non-traditional alternative investments? Yes, uh, and that's a good thing as well. If we truly believe in diversification, and I think it's safe to say that all self-respecting financial advisors and investment managers and plan sponsors do believe in diversification because diversification helps us lower risks. 12 eggs in 12 baskets is better than one egg in one basket. Adding more and more types of asset classes improves the diversification, which therefore improves the level of risk that you're taking for the expected return. So yes, I think we will continue to see 
an increase in the type and variety of investment opportunities that are made available in plans. A lot of this, though, is new, just as private equity investing is new. So everyone's going to have to move carefully and with proper due diligence to make sure that we aren't making mistakes that could end up harming the workers. Understood. Um, moving on, without everything that's happening, Rick, what kind of help do you think is needed beyond the 401k today? What ancillary services should 401k advisors be offering? Well, the, the pandemic really opened up everybody's eyes as to the precariousness that so many American families are dealing with in their personal finances. Our own research uh, here at Edelman Financial Engines found that one out of three U.S. workers who are earning $50,000 or less would not be able to pay their bills for even one month if their income stopped. 13% of Americans took out payday loans last year. And as a result, workers who are traditionally saying, yeah, I want to focus on my retirement, well, that's fine unless you're having trouble putting food on the table, paying rent, buying medicine. And most Americans don't have ample cash reserves to tide them over if an unexpected bill arises or a medical expense or a job layoff or, or furlough or pay cut. And so it's hard to focus on retirement savings, which is something you won't need for 10 or 20 or 30 years when you're dealing with the next 10 or 20 or 30 days. And that's why it's no longer enough for employers to provide a retirement savings vehicle. We've gotten good at that. 401k plans are ubiquitous. We've nailed it in terms of how to do it well, how to do it cheaply, how to effectively help our workers participate. That's no longer enough. Employees need not just a retirement savings program, but an emergency savings program. And this is a wonderful opportunity for employers to help. In fact, 42% of workers we surveyed said that they want their employers to offer them a retirement savings program. So did COVID make the case for financial wellness programs in the workplace? Yes, I think it really did. Prior to the pandemic, we already had forward-thinking companies recognizing the importance of financial wellness. And it's not just out of being a nice guy about it. It's not just because employers want to be good corporate citizens for their workers. They recognize there's motivated self-interest for their own benefit. Because when you have workers struggling with their own personal finances, absenteeism rises, presenteeism rises, turnover rises, reduced productivity, more accidents on the job. All of this costs the employer a lot of money. So if employers can help their employees improve their own personal finances through broader wellness programs, turnover goes down, productivity goes up, and everybody's a winner. So what does it all mean about wellness? It's more than just retirement savings. It's issues with credit cards and debt, student loans, mortgages, buying versus leasing automobiles, helping to pay, figure out ways to pay for a daughter's wedding, dealing with insurance, taxes, uh, virtually anything that has a dollar sign. Employees are facing financial decisions on a daily basis, and they have little financial education to assist them in making good decisions. Most don't have access to financial advisors to help them, and their employers are uniquely positioned to provide this very valuable and much-wanted service for their workforce. Understood. How have and can advisors ease some of the emotions surrounding the pandemic? What have you seen work? And that's really the big issue is the emotional side of this, isn't it, John? It, it's not merely the facts of your circumstance, but it's how you're feeling about it and what your emotions are leading you to do 
to, to execute actions about it. We often find people are doing things that are not in their best interest because of an emotional need to feel that they have to do something. And sometimes they don't do what they really ought to be doing. So financial advisors, as both financial experts and disinterested third parties, I don't mean uninterested. I mean, they're, they're emotionally not involved. This is your crisis. It's not my crisis. Uh, the surgeon isn't upset about the fact you have to have surgery. You're the one who's upset about that. We, it doesn't do anybody any good if the surgeon's upset. So it's important that you have an, an advisor who isn't emotionally engaged with the situation like you are, who can provide you counseling and, more importantly, the hand-holding to help you get through this, to make the decisions that are in your own best interest, some of which might not be readily apparent to you uh, as you're dealing with a crisis. And having access to that advisor over the phone, through Zoom, through emails, in meetings, either one-on-one -on -one or as groups, is of immeasurable value and benefit to the employee, which again translates to higher productivity, lower turnover in the workplace, and again, a winner for everybody. You think we're getting better with the emotional side of it, though? I mean, with behavioral economics and everything that's come out about it, is there more awareness of the emotional side on part of the general public, do you think? There's more awareness about it, but there is no improvement in dealing with it. <laughs> okay. The only difference is now I know why I'm making bad decisions, but I'm still making them. So it's some solace to understand why I do it, that it's not my fault. It's how my brain is wired, and it's both physiological and psychological. But left to your own devices, because we are emotional creatures, you know, we act emotionally, not through intellect, uh, we tend to make bad financial decisions. We tend to do them at the very worst times. So the fact that intellectually I might understand why I'm doing it, doesn't stop me from doing it. I need that advisor to help me, to handhold me, to serve as a gatekeeper, to protect me from doing the dumb thing I'm about to go do if left to my own devices. So yeah, it's good that we have the knowledge as to why we're being dumb, but we're still being dumb. Okay. And we all do it. I do it too. This is why I have a financial advisor. I, I vet my own decision-making with my colleagues before I go do things, because even though I'm smart about this, I've written literally, I'm the guy who wrote books on the subject of behavioral finance. But I'm as guilty of making the mistakes like everybody else because we're all human creatures who act emotionally. A lawyer still needs a lawyer, right? Right. Well, what, they, what does the doctor say? The doctor who treats himself has a fool for a patient? There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I know you have a, a, a podcast schedule with our past podcast uh, guest, Gene Chasky, and it's a timely webinar topic. So what will it cover, Rick? We're very excited about this. I've been working with Jean Chatsky off and on for the past couple of decades. She's one of the leading experts on the subject of women and money. Uh, she's the founder of hermoney.com and has a podcast of her own, as you mentioned. And we got together to do this, this webinar on women and money because this recession, this pandemic is largely a woman's issue. More than half the jobs lost in the pandemic were women who lost those jobs because most of the hardest hit industries were those that employ women more than men. The travel and hospitality industries, the service industries, education, healthcare, it, those industries are uh, employed with a majority of women. So they lost jobs faster. You also had schools shut down with children being remote educated. And when a married couple with dual income has to decide one of them's gotta stay home with the kids, that's going to be the lower income parent in most cases, and that's usually the wife. So women have had a much more adverse impact of this pandemic, 
And our research that we recently concluded showed that one in three women say it's going to take them more than a year to financially recover from this crisis. And women of color tell us it's going to take them six years to recover. So we're putting this webinar together on women and money to show you, no matter what your circumstance, single women, married women, women with children, divorced women, widows, whatever your circumstance, the financial issues you're facing and how to rate them, make the right decisions. It's inspirational, motivational, and actionable. And it's really a lot of terrific info. Listeners can catch that webinar on Tuesday, March 23rd at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Rick, uh, fascinating as always. That's exactly what we needed. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, John, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Retirement is changing. So is the way we plan for it. If you think retirement means you can't keep building for the future, that adventure is only for the young, or that long-term investing should stop at retirement, let's retire that thinking. And if you think every target date fund can deliver the same long-term results, let's retire that thinking too. Can I give my clients a target date fund that helps their employees retire their way? With Capital Group, I can. Visit CapitalGroup.com today. Talk to your financial professional for investment risks and information. American Funds Distributors, Inc., member FINRA.